Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me, as always, is co-host Steve Mez. If it's your first time listening, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself has been providing news, notes, and analysis to fans on social media since 2014. So go ahead and pull those belts tight and hang on as we throw the green flag on our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400 this past weekend at Martinsville Speedway. Steve, welcome back for another episode of the podcast. I know you're at Martinsville this past week in the frigid, chilly temperatures and uh, excited to get to that, excited to talk about that in a great run for Ryan Blaney. But you've gone ahead and set up a second week in a row with some special guests. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I'm trying hard, working the phones, working the emails, working the social medias, whatever I got to do to get my hands on some people here. And uh, I've got a couple great guests lined up for us this week uh, to talk about the uh, outing that uh, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation is throwing in uh, in May at uh, Top Golf. So let's jump right into that now, and we'll see you on the other side for our recap of Ryan Blaney's race at Martinsville. All right, everyone, we want to welcome Emma Conley and Leah Reeves to the Team Blaney podcast. Emma is the older sister of Ryan Blaney, the daughter of Dave Blaney. Leah Reeves is the cousin of Ryan Blaney and the daughter of the, I was going to say infamous, that's not the right word, the famous Dale Blaney, the 410 sprint car driver, uh, sprint car hall, hall of famer, uh, just as Dave is as well. And they're here today representing the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. So thank you guys for coming on to the show. Yes, thank you for having us. So the foundation has a huge event that's coming up this May. Uh, I believe Steve and I were talking about it being around the week of the Coca-Cola 600. And um, we've we've seen through social media and such that uh, Ryan Blaney, along, I think, with some of the tutelage of his spotter, Josh Williams, has picked up the game of golf over the last couple of years. And so it's fitting that this foundation event is called Driving for good for the Ryan Blaney family foundation and it's coming up at the top to the top golf Charlotte university, May 24th. And we talked about the family being really behind this foundation. And I, from what I understand, the two of you have been kind of pulled in as reinforcements on this project. Um, so are you guys excited to one, you know, volunteer your efforts and, and get behind this cause and this tournament and two, uh, what's your workload like? Emma, you want to start? <laughs> oh, sure. Um, you know, the foundation is in great hands. It's, you know, Ryan has a big part in it. My sister, Erin, and my mom, my dad, um, a lady named Patty, they they do everything. Um, Leah and I came in as extra help, and we kind of do whatever they tell us to do. Um, but, you know, this event is, is super exciting. As you said earlier, Ryan has taken up golf um, and so having it at top golf and having it be a vintage themed event, um, you know, Ryan has a, has a, like a big heart for anything vintage, especially yeah. racing. This is really, um, focused on the vintage, you know, themed 
it's going to be, it's going to be intense. Our outfits that we were picking out earlier, it's, it's, in, it's, it's intense, uh, but it, <laughs> but it's super cool. So the um, foundation in this event, they're raising money for the foundation, a Ryan Blaney family foundation fund a fellow. Um, and they've been doing this for, I think, I think they put it in place last year, um, but it funds a fellow it's funding two fellowships. Um, they're putting them through the UPMC um, sports medicine concussion program. Um, and that's in hopes of them bringing their grade A concussion treatment and care, um, hopefully bringing it to more areas. So, um, you know, as some of you, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but um, UPMC treated my dad when he got in a pretty bad wreck at Eldora. Um, He's treated Dale Jr. He's treated a cousin, Ryan and I's cousin on my mom's side. Um, He was a wrestler and had some injuries. And so he holds a special special place in our heart. Um, He will actually be there. And the two fellows that we are funding will be there too. So I think that's really exciting. I think that's cool. I think um, having them there will kind of put a little, a little pep in everyone's step trying to raise a lot of money. So super exciting. Okay, Leah, your turn. I've talked yeah, about there you go. I mean, how do I even talk about Emma? <laughs> <laughs> We, 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 me and Leah told you guys before, we are the awkward Blaney's in the family. So having them tell us to do the podcast, we were scared. So (laughs) bear with us because we've been nervous and all day sweating all day. No, I think you guys are great. And the good thing is, I think there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Leah and Emma fans out there. I think uh, you guys are the, yeah, you're the, yeah, you're, you're the people okay. behind the people. Um, awkward. Have you ever listened to our podcast? Yeah. I was gonna say. <laughs> you guys know what you're doing. You guys are great at it. Everything flows. Me and Lee, we, I mean, me and Leah lived together for a while at my parents' house. And when we get nervous, we talk really loud. We repeat really ourselves loud. a lot. <laughs> We've learned, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Leah, tell them what, like what fun stuff that they're doing at, we're doing at the at the yeah. event. Yeah. I think you guys have a, like a silent auction that you're probably, you're mm-hmm. still looking for items to, to go into that. Yeah. So there's a couple really cool different things. We are going to have the silent auction and that's presented by body armor. So huge shout out to body armor for coming on and being the sponsor for that. Um, we already have a ton of really high ticket, cool, like one of a kind items that are going to be involved but we are still looking for silent auction items. Um, so if anyone's interested, you can reach out to me, Emma, Patty. Um, we can always give you guys our email addresses. We also have a press release. Um, so any in like any donations will be awesome, um, welcomed with open arms because we while we have a lot of cool items, like I know that there's still stuff out there that we could definitely get an offer up to people that are, you know, one of a kind, really unique. So um, I think a couple of our coolest ones that we have so far are we've got signed Dale Earnhardt Jr. gloves. Um, we have a Chase Rice guitar. Mm-hmm. We've got um, Top Golf actually is giving um, Platinum Elite memberships for six people. So that's wow. really cool. I think that's good for a year. Uh, and then we've got four Coke 600 indoor suite tickets. So we have a lot of really exciting items. We've got NASCAR items, dirt racing focused items. So um, I think that it will fit 
a lot of personalities and a lot of people's interests. Um, and the cool thing about the silent auction is that it's not going to be just for the people at the event. Um, there will be an online platform. I think it's called um, ClickBid. And so it will be available to people at home if they want to bid on items that are there if they can attend. So I think it's nice that it, we can open it up to other people, A, in the hopes of, you know, raising more money for a good cause, but also B, um, just kind of meet you know, like I know there's a lot of people in Ohio who might want to bid on yeah. things, you know, like World of Outlaw tickets, um, but they might not be able to come to North Carolina to attend. So I think that we'll just be able to really hit a lot of people uh, with our really cool items. I know the silent auction deal, that's something Steve was really talking about um, wanting to participate in, because I don't think we're going to be able to make it down there. Uh, I think I'm going to be out of the country actually that week. So but if there's any way that we can kind of view those items or push that out too, I think that'd be really cool. I have a, um, from a, a Lou Blaney Memorial that I did get to attend in person a couple of years ago, I have a stand up here in my office of Bubba, an autograph stand up of Bubba Wallace that somehow I got, was able to fit into uh, my luggage on the airplane on my way back down to Florida. So um, some really cool items that you guys for over the years for the different foundation events have been, been able to put together. And I think Steve, you're, you're excited to get involved in that. Oh yeah, I'll be online. Um, I've been looking at some different things. I, you know, I got, I have a, a limit probably that I, what I can spend, but you know, I'll figure out something somehow. <laughs> you know, to don't that way I can donate somehow. Um, golfing. I mean, I would love to go down and golf to tell you the truth, but uh, uh, I don't know <laughs> if I can get down there. Not in your travel plans. Well, so, the thing is, that's the thing. I, you know, I, 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 I got money going toward uh, going to races too. So you know. So the two of you have been athletes. I don't want to say in the past. I don't think you're ever not athletes anymore, but you guys have been athletes in the past. Have either of you, one, taken up golf, and two, where are you going to participate uh, in this event as well? Golf? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, yes. Um, I have been to Top Golf a couple times, and I get very excited. Um, I know that my dad – so one of the really cool, fun – you know, specialty things that we're doing uh, at the event is it's a $10,000 hole in one yeah. um, contest. So if you, you know, make this hole in one on this certain hole, you get, you know, your 10,000. Um, I know my dad is very focused on, on getting that, but I don't know why, because all that money is going to go, go right we know it's going to go. <laughs> um, but he keeps claiming that, you know, we're not telling him where the hole is. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Um, is he already going down there no, to practice? No, we're not telling him. So, I mean, just go ahead and he's you know, thinking he's going to go out there and practice, but he doesn't know what he's practicing for. Um, but, you know, but that, that'll be cool. That'll be exciting. Um, you know, the other thing I kind of wanted to touch on is all the ways you know, you could participate, um, you know, a lot of this, a lot of different levels of sponsorship, you know, there's champion all-star, you know, this is all stuff that you can find on, um, our planning pod that we have for the event. Um, there's individual tickets, um, there's donations that you could just simply, um, put straight to the foundation. And then tomorrow we're actually going to announce, um, this Blaney wall of fame, um, anyone who donates $20 or more, um, your name is going to be put on this very bright piece of paper that'll be hung on this wall of fame. Um, if you donate $50 or more, we'll take your card, put it on there with your name, and then Ryan will sign it back 
um, after the event. So that's just another fun way of getting involved. If you can't be there, um, you know, the, the bright wall is, you know, kind of symbolizes what the foundation stands for. So um, I know that we are announcing more about that tomorrow. So that's something exciting to kind of keep your eye out for too. I think I may have found what I'm going to do. I was just going to say, I think you've just opened up some opportunities for us there. So, um, so you talked about the, the hole in one contest. You talked about the silent auction. Um, you've mentioned that um, you guys have been picking out some vintage outfits and Emma, uh, I know you're, you're a professional when it comes to picking out outfits with the boutique that you've been running for the last several years. Are you, are you dressing the, the family and, and the, the, the other people for this event, or are you uh, letting them pick out their own things? You know, we, we talked about, we had a zoom call today and this is what we discussed half the time. Me, Leah, <laughs> my sister, Ryan's girlfriend, Gianna. Um, my mom has her own idea of what she wants to wear. I'll just leave that to be a surprise. Very interesting, but I'll leave it to be a surprise. Um, and Aaron has sent us a couple options and I have to remind Aaron, not all of us are 25 and cute and young. Our <laughs> mothers, and we can't, we can't wear some of this stuff. Um, but, but the whole goal is to be, you know, very vintage and argyle and, um, you know, high collars, hats. So we're trying to, to kind of let it be a surprise, but we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Actually, I'm we'll going to dress Dale in knickers. That's yeah. all I'm saying. That's what yeah. I, I was wondering. What uh, what Dave and Dale might be showing up in? It's going to have to be a forced thing for them. Force them to. Yes, we might have to get them a couple margaritas before right. we dress them. It doesn't take much for them. One margarita and, and they'll listen to us. I was so, going to say, I remember Dave liking Mike's Hard Lemonade at one point, but yeah. I don't know. They still make that, right? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, it's hard to <laughs> because when my mom comes to West Virginia, she always she always hoards them because she finds them here and takes them back home. But he's, yep, he's still on that Mike's Hard kick. <laughs> so, speak, so everyone's going to be dressed up in this vintage stuff. And uh, one of the other things that it talks about on your planning pod website that we'll link to and we'll push out to everybody so they can take a look at it. Um, but Ryan's going to go around uh, and take photos with the people that are in attendance. And I'm assuming Ryan will also, I mean, in the images that have been sent out with the press releases and things, he's already looks like he's totally into the vintage gear and everything. So if, if people want to have kind of a unique photo, usually the photo, the selfies they get at the racetrack, you know, Ryan's <laughs> in his driver's suit or um, everything else that's on there, but this is your chance to kind of get, uh, a picture of Ryan in a very unique way, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also think Leah, Leah's son, and then my two sons will be there and they also have special outfits that will be a surprise, but they're very, very cute. So everyone is, is going all in on the outfit. It's like Ryan's, uh, Halloween party, but just us. Oh gosh. <laughs> this isn't just golf related. So. Yeah. <laughs> It'll make a great, it'll make a great group photo though, when everybody's all together with their, you know. Yes, for sure. That'll be it's, it's the Christmas card photo. Yes, that we'll be using for the next 10 years, probably. Yes. <laughs> now, this is, a, is, it's not a traditional golf tournament since it's going to be at Topgolf, which is, if people don't know, is kind of a, a multi-level um, place where your, your people kind of just practice shots the casual fan or the casual golfer would be totally comfortable participating in this tournament, right? You don't have to be a pro like Josh Williams was in the past or anything like that. Right. 
No, no. It's for the every everyday person. I mean, I found out last year at Top Golf that I'm actually a lefty swinger instead of a righty swinger. <laughs> I've been missing the golf ball my whole life. So <laughs> it's fine. Anyone can come. I'll I'll be there missing the balls. Um, no, I think it's definitely a good environment for any skill level to come and play. And we just want to have a good time with everybody. So the, now on a more serious note, you talked a little bit about um, how this specific event is going to uh, help support the foundation and its efforts with the UPMC Fund a Fellow program. The foundation in the past has also worked hand in hand with the Alzheimer's Association. Both of these things are causes that are really close to your family, um, obviously with Lou Blaney uh, battling Alzheimer's later in life, and then your dad going through some of those concussion things. Can you guys talk a little bit about the importance of you guys as a family, as a whole, supporting these causes? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like you don't really feel or understand a lot of things until it happens personally to you or in your family. Um, my grandpa, you know, going through what he did, it, it just all happened so fast. Um, you know, I was in high school when that, when he passed away and, um, I didn't fully understand how we got to that point until a couple of years ago. Um, and then honestly, when dad got hurt, I think that's when it hit me like, okay, we've got, this is serious. We've got to take We've got to take every precaution, precaution we can. Um, so dad, he, it just was a very eye-opening experience. Um, I think we're very careful after what has happened to um, dad. You know, my cousin, Ryan and I's cousin on my mom's side, again, like I said, he was a wrestler, went to go see Dr. Collins. Um, and now he is a, he's on the pit crew for, I think, Stuart Haas. Um, you know, pitch three different series every weekend, doing great. Um, so I think it's just very important for all of us, especially now that we have kids, um, to be very understanding and, um, kind of just take every precaution and learn as much as we can. And that's why this foundation is so special to us because not only are we, you know, feeling like we're, we're doing a good thing, but we're also doing it all together. So as a family, so, um, yeah, just, just happy to be a part of it. Happy that Ryan wanted to start something like this and happy that everyone has been on board with Fund a Fellow and Alzheimer's and it's just, it's going well. And Leah, um, you could speak on this too. We've talked to Emma a little bit about it as well, but you're a new mother within the last uh, year or so. Emma has, and, and Kale have two kids as well. Any future uh, Blaney race car drivers that are coming out of the family or, or are they going to be looking at other sports? Um, you know, I've said since we found out Loudon was a boy, um, that I would love for him to stay away. <laughs> from race cars. Would love that. But unfortunately he loves them. He loves everything cars. He, um, we watch World of Outlaws all the time. He races, he pulls a tear off. So I think <laughs> pretty much doomed. You're damned. <laughs> um, it's probably going to happen. I don't know. Dad, whenever I talk to dad, um, dad says, whatever he has skill in, that's what he'll do. So right. I'm like, that's a good way to think of it. If he has skill in racing, well, I guess dad's taking that on in my husband. <laughs> and if he's good at basketball or golf, 
well, we're going to leave that to dad because <laughs> we'll just leave that to him. So as much as I would love for him to not like race cars, I don't know. I think I kind of almost would be a little sad if he didn't like them too. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely relationship, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And Emma, I mean, your kids have been, I've seen them pushed around and I think your, your dad made that little Lou Blaney. I don't know what to call it. Is it, it's like a pedal car or something? What, or is it uh, yeah, a, wagon? a wagon? It's a wagon, and, right? Yeah. He built, and, and Leah has one too. He made one for Leah. Awesome. And um, yeah, he put a lot of time and effort into those <laughs> wagons, but they're awesome. Um, yeah. My kids have been to um, a, a bunch of races, a bunch of Kale's races. I took Louie to Daytona this past year. He could have cared less. I mean, <laughs> My kids have zero. I mean, Bodie, he, he does kind of play with race cars and, and he's watched races on TV and, you know, Louie likes, you know, uncle Ryan, but he just could care less really. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> um, a little too early. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. It, that's what I say. It's still a little too early, but you know, I am also kind of on the, I would be sad if he didn't love racing, you know, what am I going to do if I don't have it? But just think of how much money we'll have if we don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, gosh, we'd have, we, that's just, it's a lot of money. So, yes, yeah, so we, so yeah, a nice ball sport. We'll, we'll like maybe at Top Golf, we'll, we'll swing a couple and see, yes. see what happens. Yeah, see what goes on. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, you know, it's been a, a pleasure kind of following your family's racing careers through all levels. <laughs> um, dad's, brothers cousins everything that's going on it's been really great to follow along as we've got on and really great to to meet you guys again and talk with you guys about the foundation um so again if anybody wants to participate in this it's may 24th at the top golf top golf university charlotte um you can find out more about the event at drivingforgood.planningpod.com um you can also reach out to team blaney you can reach out to i'm sure emma and leah on social media and the ryan blaney family foundation on social media um, but yeah, from Steve and I, just thank you guys for giving us your time and uh, we're going to do everything we can to support this and support the Ryan Blaney family foundation. Awesome. Well, thank you. And okay. So we have one more thing. No, go ahead. Uh, it's actually for you guys. Um, I'm kind of sad because you told me you're going to be out of the country. <laughs> so oh, wow. I invite you yeah. guys. Yeah. It kind of surprised me too. Where are you going to be? <laughs> <laughs> to the event, um, Sharon Speedway actually has a bay. And if you guys aren't doing anything, you and your wives or, you know, two other friends, there's a six person bay with your name on it, the team Blaney, you can even podcast from the event, but <laughs> we can talk more about it later. No, that's but great. like I said, I was sad to hear that you might not be here, but if you change your mind, you just, you just let us know. But, um, we would like to invite you guys. If you guys can attend, we would like to kind of open it up to, you know, a couple more people, um, especially, you know, team Blaney followers. So we will kind of get with you guys here in the next week and see what kind of fun plans we can, we can arrange. That sounds awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll one talk of, to Steve. Steve might be one of, yeah. One of, one of my other co-hosts, I think would definitely want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've heard the, uh, the team Mez takeover episodes at all, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll check it out. Yeah, my, my, we'll do that. Let's do it. It, it'll be fun. So yeah, but we did, we wanted to surprise you guys. Cause we really appreciate just the support. I mean, you guys don't have to do this podcast and you do, and it's just, it's amazing. And, um, you know, me and Kale, we listen to it every week and 
So it's just very special. It's special to know that you guys have, have been there kind of through all kinds of levels. So it was our, it was our small, small bit of payback that we can, we can give you. So, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about it soon. That sounds great. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Emma. And uh, thank you to the Ryan Blaney family foundation for all you do. And we'll catch you next time. Thank, thank you guys. Well, that was just awesome, Steve. Really looking forward to that event that's coming up again, May 24th at the Top Golf Charlotte University for the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. And uh, kind of sounds like Steve, uh, you know, we've been chatting about it since the, we did this interview. It sounds like we, we might be in attendance for that thing and uh, might be able to see some other fellow Blaney fans there. Really excited about that opportunity. And again, thank you for setting up that interview with Emma and Leah. And thanks again to them for giving us their time. Really, really excited about that and excited about all the other events that the foundation has coming up in the future. But for now, uh, why don't we go ahead and jump into our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief re- Pain Relief 400 at Martinsville Speedway, a race that you attended in person. Yeah, it, uh, it was a race. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was a race. Now, really truthfully, um, you know, anytime you go to a race, it's, it's exciting. Um, seeing it live is so much better than watching it on TV. Uh, mind you, we still listen to the scanner, uh, so we get the great entertainment that, uh, that we always do at home, uh, but we get it live and we get it in real time. Um, no delays, no satellites bouncing off things, you know? So, um, you know, it's really, really cool. And cool is the word of the weekend because it got cold a little bit. Um, Yeah. Just a little bit. Um, you know, Friday they did practice. We'll go through Friday here real quick. Um, Ryan was in group B of practice and, uh, I think the 16 was the only car that had tech problems. He failed three times. Um, Group A, though, the fast five was actually the 23, the five, the 20, the 24, and the eight. Um, and there's only, it was like five hundredths of a second between them. So, I mean, these times are close at Martinsville. Um, and uh, Jonathan tells uh, Josh when they do go out to just let him run, you know, unless there's some sort of real bad thing that they think they have to come in and fix. Let's just run as many laps as we can. Um, five minutes in. Uh, he's got about 10 laps in there and he's 19th quick. Now that doesn't sound great. Cause yeah. you know, 19, you think 19, but he's only um, 0.16 back, you know? So you're talking about a 10th if he gains or almost two tenths, but if he gains a 10th, he's all of a sudden top five, you know, so it's really not much. And uh, you know, we're taught, we'll talk about it more about shifting uh, versus breaking. And uh, this is something they learn basically in practice that everybody's going to do. Um, Josh gives Jonathan some info on what the nine is doing. Cause the nine is running the fastest laps right now in that practice. So they're talking about what they can do to just, just the car so that Ryan can run that kind of line, um, ends up being 14th best overall between the two sessions, sixth best in that group. So once again, it improves like a 10th here and he could be a top five guy, you know, when qualifying comes around. Now you mentioned it, the fact that uh, Jonathan just kind of wanted them to run. And it seems like this has been their MO for every race this season. When it's come to practice, they've been one of the teams that have run probably the most laps in practice all year long. And I'm guessing they're just trying to see how the car can change over a run here. I mean, it just, they want to go as long as they possibly can, because I think they don't, they know they can't just come in and make an adjustment and have enough time to get back out there and start over again. So I think they're just trying to see, you know, have everything that they set up in the simulator back at the shop. Uh, when it comes to setup, did that play out? 
and then kind of just strategize, okay, what are some quick adjustments? Because they don't really have a huge toolbox when it comes to adjustments they can make before qualifying. What can we do? And at least gives them an opportunity to see what at least the first stage of the race might turn out to be if they keep the same setup under the car. They're looking at tire wear, you know, tire fall off uh, on the lap times and fuel, believe it or not, you know, they're looking at how, how, how much fuel they, fuel they use up and whether or not that'll help uh, with their mileage later on when they do run a full, full race. Um, the nine, the 18, the 48, the two and the six were the, were the fast five in there. Uh, Ryan ran 53 laps in that practice. So, um, group A goes first. Um, and those fast five there were the four, the five, the 24, the 10 and the 20 and group B Ryan goes out 17th out of 18. So, you know, he goes a little later and we hope this would help, but, uh, he ends up P7 in the group, um, 12th overall between the two groups. Uh, the fast five there were the 41, the 38, the 6, the 9, and the 17. And I made a little side note that you said that's a strange grouping. You know, we saw some cars there that aren't normally there. A little weird, and this is also uh, one of those times that it's happened, I think, once or twice before, but I think all the Penske cars we're in the same group and qualifying, which is an organization that kind of hurts you because you don't have as much of an opportunity to get into that fast five. This also broke Ryan's streak of starting on the front row. He had four straight races there, uh, three poles in those, and then a second place start at Atlanta when they didn't run qualifying. Um, but it's been a long time since Ryan didn't at least have a shot at the pole, yeah. um, which is okay because he still ended up with a decent starting position for a short track. You don't want to be uh, where like, I think Daniel Suarez and some other guys ended up, you know, 30th or worse um, because they missed something during their qualifying lap. So he still ends up in a decent position here for a short track and still ends up with plenty of speed in the race. Yeah. Then the nine car wins the pole, but as we find out watching the race itself, um, the pole is the place to be. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, in post race, somebody said something about it. if it's like this in the fall, all they're going to do is worry about setting, sending up qualifying because that's that's what's going to take um now the on race day itself we get there and um we get there early enough because we want to do the track walk that they have on the front stretch um my wife is extremely smart woman um packs ponchos oh yeah 15 chance of rain that's what it, what it said 15 chance of rain that day did they talk about uh, sleep though no, I guess, I guess, I guess no. not. Um, we also went to one of the, uh, one of the, um, stands there and bought, uh, a, a fleece blanket, which ends up being very helpful later too. Uh, we're down on the track. We're there for the, some of the pre-race Ryan had, a, uh, uh, on the stage thing at like six 15, we were out there for that. And once that got done, we, we, we went back to the stands to where we were going to sit and it started raining. Um, and, uh, I don't know exactly how long it rained. Um, but the temperature definitely dropped as it did. The wind blew it in and blew it out. Um, I want to say probably a half an hour after that, that, that it stopped, they had the track pretty much dry. Yeah. Uh, they were excellent at drying the dry, the track. What I have to say, like I've, I've talked about it on the podcast before I've set through numerous rain delays and track drying efforts at Daytona. Um, which is just a massive effort, you know, getting around that two plus mile track to try the whole thing. And then when I saw the fleet of air Titans on a track, the size of Martinsville, and I was thinking of like, Oh man, I'm forgetting like, this will go quick, especially with the fact that, you know, the rain had stopped, the temperature was really cool and it was windy. Um, I was like, this will actually 
we'll probably get this race underway real quick as long as those there's still stray showers in the area they kept showing the radar throughout the race and bob pockress was uh, up on the on the weather on twitter and uh I'm like as long as they can stay away from the track i think we'll be will be good but I, I know i had some fun with you guys on uh, on the team blaney social media tweeting out some some live looks at, at uh team mez there Stephen kate at the track with some some memes which i thought were funny yeah. um and then you you guys did eventually share a, a real live look at you guys it looked like you're you're having a great time you're bundled up mm-hmm. and uh like you said it's it's better to be at a racetrack than than anywhere else in the world i think yeah yeah uh, we you know we had a blast with it uh you know, so, you know, it, it got cold and we definitely did get cold. We were prepped for it to a certain extent. Um, and there were a lot of people there who were pretty hardy and they, they stuck it out. Um, best thing about this race, uh, you know, 20 seconds a lap, right. And they shortened it a hundred laps, yeah, fewer laps this year. Yep. So, you know, and there were only two actual cautions besides the two stage breaks. So it went fast for Martinsville race. Um, yeah, the nine leads at the at the get go, and, uh, <laughs> and and I'm not going to have a lot of hooey passed here because I you know wasn't able. To, I, I I told myself I'm not going to take notes at the race. Yes, yeah. I I, I I says you know what I'm going to listen. I'll have you know if I get anything interesting, I'll try to make a mental note of it maybe or whatever. But um, at lap 14, he the left front brake locked up. Yes, and he went from 12th to 15th in that time span a couple cars got underneath him because he had slid up the track and um during these first 30 40 laps of any of these races that are like this there's comers and goers there are guys who were set up just for qualifying and then they start to fade and some other guys were set up to race and they start to go forward and ryan was one of those cars that was set up for the race obviously because at lap 35 he's at 14th um, about 15 laps later he's up to 13th at uh, by lap 58 he's up to 11th by lap 69 he's up to 10th with you know with 10 10 to go in the stage there um by lap 73 he's all the way up to eighth at lap 77 he gets himself to seventh right before the stage break at lap 80 um and the nine wins stage one ryan gets to seventh um even with that slip up uh, you know, the car was that much faster. And, and like, uh, he says in the post race, you had to be a half second faster than the guys in front of you to pass you. And, uh, he definitely was, uh, during that part of the race. It was really, really cool. Uh, Ryan had, an, I noticed this in qualifying right away and it excited me for the race that he had an in-car camera, um, that they used a lot of the bumper cam, uh, on the, both the front and rear bumpers. And, uh, as you said, I'm watching this camera and I saw the smoke when he, he locked up that tire and I was nervous cause I was worried that he's about to crash or something, but he, you're right. He slipped back to about 15th. And then from then on, it was basically just watching the show. I know Ryan even said post-race, it was difficult to pass. Um, but during this stretch here, you got to see him pass multiple cars. Uh, a lot of bumper was used and it wasn't the typical bump and run because sometimes it took three or four shots, um, you would, he would bump a guy and actually that guy would shoot forward out of the, out of the turn and Ryan would get behind. So it just seemed like the bump and run wasn't as effective as it could be in the past. Um, drivers talked possibly about the fact that the grip level, um, because of the cold temperatures, because of the wider tire, um, there's a, there's a lot more grip in these cars. So 
you couldn't really get somebody out of shape when you bumped them. If anything, it was like kind of hitting like a, a really slow chicane or something going around the track that actually hurt the guy that was bumping the car as opposed to the person that was being bumped. So um, I think they had to learn some different skills there on how to get some guys. You had to really get somebody out of shape to get around them at, out of those turns just because the drive off was so strong with the shifting and the grip level on the tires, which had very little fall off. I think we're only instead of seconds in this race, we're talking about them only losing a couple of tenths during a run. So, um, yeah. but that in car camera, I think I mentioned to you during or after the race, it was golden um, because I pretty much just watched that for a majority of the race. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, from what I saw, uh, you know, we were uh, up in uh, uh, turn two, and from what we saw, anytime anybody got to the back bumper, uh, they would hit them, and it would just push them forward. Yep. Whereas, whereas if the tires wear a little bit, um, you know, it would get them loose. You know, and that was generally what you look for is to get them loose, and then get underneath them by the time you get to the next uh, the next turn. And, uh, yeah, I just, you didn't see that at all during the, during the evening, which, you know, really kind of sucked for Ryan. Cause you knew he was that much faster than some of these guys. And then once they got single file like that, they just couldn't. People couldn't talk about wanting him to be more aggressive. I it's probably the most last, especially the last couple of weeks, he was extremely aggressive with the bumper during this race. It just wasn't working like it normally would at a normal short track. So I can yeah. guarantee you, um, people, I see that's one main comment I see all the time. You know, he, you know, he really needs to get up there and, and defend his, his position and rough some more people up and not be afraid to do it. I'm like, he, he was trying, uh, just wasn't effective for this specific race. Now there's something different about a Martinsville race. The, that this totally different this time around, uh, they only pit a couple times. Uh, they pit the stage breaks here. So the first one is a stage break here. They're in seventh out eighth, which is pretty good. They, you know, one spot could be anything. It could be the, 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 the Gibbs, uh, new pit stops, who knows, but, uh, not bad. Um, so by lap 97, he's back to seventh at lap 140. He's up to sixth. at lap 155. He's up to fifth and lap 158. He's up to fourth. And that's pretty much the whole stage right there. Yeah. You know, he makes his, he makes a pass here. He makes a pass there. Gets himself up there. The nine wins stage two and Ryan gets fourth place stage points, um, at stage two and literally nothing happened that, you know, is any consequence within that stage. You know, there was no, you know, no slip up on his part, obviously. Um, and anybody he got to, uh, when he, once he did get a chance to get to him, you know, and that's another thing, you know, some of those guys are give and take type drivers. So yeah, you bump them once you bump them twice, you bump them a third time and they just go ahead and finally give it to you. And we did see that once or twice where a couple of cars pulled to the right going down the straightaway and just kind of let them go yes. by, um, you know, not a lot, but a couple of them, you know, playing for the long game for later in the race. But, uh, truthfully, unfortunately, most of these guys couldn't, couldn't pass as, as the race went on either. So you mentioned seventh in the first stage, fourth in the second stage, it's three, at least three straight races there where this 12 team has just racked up a ton mm -hmm. of stage points, which is really important, uh, in the overall point standings. Um, now they pit going the end of this pit stop at this, at the end of stage two, they are going into the pits fourth and they come out third. So they put on a money stop right there. And, uh, you know, little do we know, we're only going to have one more stop the rest of the race. Cause usually you've got three or four cautions that come up in this last stage and, you know, who's on older tires, who's on newer tires. But like you said, um, 30 to 40 laps into a run, they were only about a 10th to two tenths slower. And generally, about 40 laps in their run at Martinsville, it is a second slower 
on tires and it, you know, makes you want to come get tires, you know? So, um, not having a caution coming up for a long period of time, you know, really affects this. And, uh, the, uh, biggest pass of the night actually happened during this stage break. Um, the 24 car makes the pass on pit road of the nine and takes the lead. And yeah. That, like you said, biggest pass of the night, there were zero passes for the lead on the track outside of, uh, we do have a green flag pit sequence at, at some point during this race, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, unfortunately, yeah, the biggest, uh, mon- most monumental pass of the race comes during this pit stop. And you, you talk about the 12 team going in fourth, coming out third. We've mentioned here and on social media, lots of, uh, comments about that. This pit crew, they've been on point the last, you know, two or three races here, uh, gaining positions when they can, or at least maintaining positions or when they've lost a position here, or there, it's only been one. So, um, they, whatever they're doing, keep doing it. Uh, those yeah. guys are doing a great job and it was crucial, uh, in this race specifically, because if they had a mistake here that did drop them back four or five positions, it was going to be really, really difficult to keep them to bring those positions back on the track. So kudos to the pit crew again this week. Yeah. So the restart, you know, we're at, is right around what lap 190. Uh, so a lap or two in, um, he's P4, but at lap 280, he does make the pass and gets to third. And in the next 10 laps or so, the green flag pit stops start happening. And um, a couple amazing things happen. One, uh, they stay out a little longer than everybody else, and Ryan leads about five laps. So for the eighth consecutive race this year, Ryan leads laps in the race. He yeah. is not. Yeah, it's amazing. The is a, a lot. I, I, I started trying to look it up online, and I can't quite figure out how to word it to find it. But I, there's got to be a, a thing for the longest you know, consecutive races where you at least let a lap somewhere. And you know, he's got to be getting close to it. I, I I don't see anybody doing that for. Yeah, I know. I mean, well, I can tell you his total for this year. So this year, with those laps that he led in that stage, total of three hundred thirty-nine laps led. Um, by the end of this race, though, he's finally passed in that stat uh, by William Byron for most laps led this season. So um, he can't claim that anymore, but he right. does. Yeah. Like you said, those eight straight races here with at least one lap eight led, that's still, uh, still pretty but, impressive. Well, well what, who was it? The one ten was it 10 races in a row that Richard, Richard Petty won at one point. <laughs> it, right. So that's, that's okay, true. That's, that might be that's, it. Yeah. That's 10, that's 10 races in a row where, he, where somebody led a lap. He, he led the last lap too, which, you know, um, but he does pit here, uh, at that lap 308, um, he's sixth after the pit cycle kind of comes up. And what's interesting is the caution happens at lap 310. So just a couple of laps later, and it they're was crazy. trying, they're trying yeah, to stay out they, for it too. They, they were, they were trying to stay out. There was, um, there was a car that slowed on the track while that's while he was leading and they didn't call caution for it. And it made its way out of turn two and made its way down the backstretch. Um, uh, but then they called this caution for debris. And, um, you know, nobody pits, <laughs> you know, you've got your track position. Everybody's already pitted. You know, you can all make it to the end. You know, that the tire fall off isn't really there. So everybody just stays out. Um, and, uh, they restart their uh, lap three twenty. Ryan is in fourth. Uh, he does in the first couple of laps that restart, lose one spot to the 45 car. Um, and, uh, then we get a caution at lap three forty nine for the 38 car losing a wheel. He lost a wheel. That's that's what I read. I know he 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 went into the wall. I'm not sure if a wheel came off, but I did want to talk to you about this caution. There's a lot of controversy uh, where people give NASCAR a lot of a heat for this. 
um, I watched the caution, the replay on TV, ton of tire smoke, the 38 car slams into the wall, caution comes out. And I just see Twitter, which again, this is Twitter, explode with, oh, they just threw it because they wanted to make the race exciting. There was no need. He, the car was still moving after that. There was no need to throw the caution. I mean, I don't know what more you want a car to do when there's a mm-hmm. ton of smoke and they slam into the wall. I get yeah. that these cars are more durable and everything. And I get that there's been a couple of cautions uh, this year where, you know, cars spun through the trioval and kept going. They didn't throw it. But I don't, it just seems like of all the cautions to complain about, I know this was late in the race. Uh, I didn't think this was one where, you know, they were trying to manipulate the race or anything. It seems like no. I was the flagman and I saw, you know, a car up in smoke and hit the wall. I probably would throw the caution too. I think because um, anything could have happened. So it seemed justified want, to me. But yeah, but I think they wanted it to tell you the truth. Oh, of because, course they did. I mean, I what else? Yeah. There was no, no, there was no drama that was going to happen from there. Even, even when these guys got into lap traffic, they had no, no real problems. Um, so uh, the restart is a green, white checker restart. And, um, you know, Ryan was fifth for the restart, but he does make it to fourth in those two laps. Um, you know, he gets by the uh, 45 there and uh, the 24 w- wins and uh, Ryan finishes fourth. Um, really a solid night of racing um, to watch him, you know, specifically and be able to where we sat and everything, watch everything happen right in front of us. Um, he did everything he could with the car he had. And he may have been one of the faster cars, um, on the track, uh, but it's hard. It was really, like I said, because of all these issues with the tires and so forth. I mean, they, they, they have to do something that's for sure. No. And it's just another race where we're talking about with this next gen car, where we really weren't sure if we could go by, uh, Ryan's past stats and the old car, whether they would, translate to this but i think it's just another another opportunity to show that it actually has been because again martinsville one of ryan's best tracks statistically um so with this fourth place finish in the last seven races he has five top fives there um and 13 starts overall six top five seven top tens an average finish of 10.2 so this fourth place finish boosted that stat just slightly but it's just showing that, you know, the places that he's run really well in the past, he's continuing to run well in the next gen car, even with the challenges. And the, the, we'll talk about this now might be a good opportunity um, watching this race overall from home. I think because I was watching this in-car camera, it made it a little bit more exciting because you could see uh, when he was able to make passes or when he was going moving through lap traffic or even this last sequence here where he got by the 45 car. Um, he really did like he really did have to get physical to get past the 45 here. Um, he used the bumper multiple times until he finally was able to get him loose. And you're talking about it. That really wasn't much tire fall off till the very end of a run. And these guys had stayed out, I think twice uh, at the end of this run too. So the tires were relatively old compared to the rest of the day. So if this was an opportunity to kind of get somebody loose, he could. So uh, did have to use the bumper a little bit to get past the 45 and then eventually finish fourth. I thought the race, I mean, I didn't see it until after, people being that upset with um it being oh it was, it was such a horrible race and the jeff gluck poll uh this race actually polled at the third lowest in the history of the poll with like 18 percent of people said it was a good race i mean i thought it was, i would just call it okay i thought it was fine i think I, it does help I, mean, I guess my my viewpoint is skewed when ryan has a good finish so he finishes fourth got all those stage points uh, potentially could have had a shot at a win depending on pit stops and some strategy at the end. Definitely would have had a shot at the win if they would have caught that caution when he was, they were holding out for the lead there. Um, 
what was it like for you? You said in person, it's always different no matter what. So in person, it probably just made it just slightly better, but I don't think you were totally enthusiastic about what an amazing race it was. Well, the weather, you know, being too so extreme as it was is something that affects your, your, your mental, you know, a little bit. And you're kind of sitting there watching a lap after a lap, after a lap, after a lap. And, you know, your intestinal fortitude is tested a little bit. Um, although I give my wife huge credit and she said it afterwards, she says, I watched couples get up and leave. Yep. She says, not me, not me. I'm not that one. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not wussying out at all. And, uh, you know, she, she made it through the whole race and I give her a lot of credit for that. Cause, uh, we both were, you know, we were bundled up and we were, you know, huddled up and everything, but it, it was cold. So as you're doing that and you're watching and you're like, you know, if, if more was happening on the track, it would take your mind off of the cold, but there really wasn't much happening on the track. And I don't mean just Ryan. I mean, pretty much everybody got in the line. The only times that the leaders were any kind of danger is like Denny Hamlin at one point about midway through the race was trying to hold on to, he was, I think he was already a lap down, was just trying to hold on yeah. to not being lapped again. And he was just blocking the crap out of, uh, of uh, Chase Elliott, trying to keep him from getting around him. And, uh, you know, sooner or later he had to let him by, but it kind of bunched up into the first three or four cars, you know, gave Ryan a shot to get up a little closer to the leader for a little while. But once it spread back out again, same old, same old, you know, and, or, and it was funny about spread out. Like, you, you know, you watch, um, the, some of these older races and I, you know, you're spread out by half a lap on not, maybe not on a short track, but these guys were within five to 10 car lengths of each other, which is really not very far, Yeah, but, but they never got much closer than that it was a consistent five car lengths that they were always behind the guy. And it just was really weird to watch because it never, you know, never got much closer, never got, you know, much further. It's just like 30 or 40 laps in a row of that. It's just, you know, it's a little hard, hard to watch. So let's talk about that. And some things that some drivers have said and some other analysts and media members since this race ended, um, because it's really easy to make some knee jerk reactions here. Like a lot of people are pointing to the weather and it's like, oh, well, we can't do it at night or we can't do it at this time of, of year. We need to move it back further into May or something to guarantee warmer temperatures. Um, it's worth noting that in the days leading up to this race and the days after this race, it's been, you know, 70 nearing eighties in Martinsville. <laughs> um, so yeah, they un had an unfortunate, uh, weather front move through that really dipped these temperatures down. Uh, into the 40s that really made it almost impossible for rubber to lay down on the track. So we talked about that cars really only fell off by one or two tenths by the end of a run. Um, the other big thing that was happening here that they discovered during uh, practice was that they were going to start shifting. And we saw this even at the Coliseum, the 14 car and some others were shifting uh, at that short track, which was just a quarter mile. Um, so it seems to me, I'm not a mechanical expert by any means, but it seems to me that they need to really look at the gear ratio for these cars, potentially making it a higher gear ratio. So that way it just forces the drivers to stop shifting. And it sounds like the drivers don't want to be shifting. Uh, I heard Corey LaJoy talking this week and some others, you know, about having blisters uh, on their hands. And luckily, you know, they're in this, this world where they have this new shifter uh, where it's not an H pattern, which gosh, I think their arms would be just dead if they were shifting. I think they said they had to make 800 shifts total in the race mm -hmm. uh, with yeah. the, with the 400 laps there. So I think if they could stop them from shifting, 
Goodyear could potentially have a tire test here where they look at maybe a softer tire that gives up more and it's designed to give up more throughout the run. But I think if they just get those two things under control, the drivers will be able to actually focus on racing. I don't know how you could, um, again, I, all, my only experience is from iRacing and I've run a couple short track races and legend cars where you guys do, the fast guys do shift. And even for me, just as this amateur iRacer, it's very distracting to try to focus on your shift points uh, on a short track and you're doing it, you know, every you know few seconds on a short track. I can't even imagine what it is for a real life professional driver in the cup series that's trying to uh, make, make laps here. And I think I had heard somebody, a driver say that, you know, they pretty much were never able to approach a corner the same way twice because they're just focused on the shift points because when they're going into the corner and shifting um, this, there's some in car, I think from practice of Austin Cindric specifically, who's, you know, trying to work on the shifting, the car was getting like really loose at points if you just shifted in the wrong place. So I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are, but my initial things are if they can work on the gear ratio, which again, I don't know if that's transactional changes or if how much money that's going to cost to change uh, what they need to do going into the race. Cause I don't think it's as easy as swapping gears in and out as it, they used to be with the old car. But I think if they get a handle on that and they get a handle on some tires here and NASCAR is definitely going to look into this because this is the penultimate race of the season leading into the championship race at Phoenix when they come back here in the fall. Um, so they don't want another what's considered a dud of a race. They want a short track race that would be exciting. And I think uh, the reason the poll and everybody is so upset is just because the bar was set so extremely high this year with the next gen car outside of maybe Richmond. It's ex- excelled, especially at the mile and a half. And people were just so excited to see, you know, composite bodies. They're going to be beaten and bang and they're going to be able to lean on each other. It's going to be awesome at Martinsville. And then throw in the shifting, the cold temperatures, lack of tire wear, you ended up being kind of just a, a train the whole race. Do you have any, I know I've taken up a ton of time there giving my thoughts, um, but do you have any, any other, other thoughts or just kind of echoing some of that? Yeah. The tire wear to me is the biggest thing just because, you know, that the fall off is not that great and there's no reason to come get tires. And um, if, if, you know, when they were hitting them from behind uh, and, the, and you have some tire wear, it will get the rear end looser. And then you can, you know, get to the next corner and maybe get up underneath the guy because he didn't get the same drive off the corner you did. Um, so, you know, those are the kind of things that, you know, and that shifting makes that difference too, because they're getting off the corner and up shifting right away and getting good drive off. So, you know, those types of things are, were the reasons they weren't getting to somebody or getting, you know, getting by them. And, you know, the guys with the better, uh, better cars, just, it didn't show. You know, and I've heard somebody comment about if it was going to be like this in the fall, then all they're going to do is concentrate on qualifying. So they're in the top four or five, and maybe they'll luck out on a pit strategy or something, get to the front, you know, and, and it's amazing that that's, that's what happened with this race is that, you know, three different leaders and it all happened with pit stops on pit road, you know, or the green or the green flag pit cycle. Nobody actually physically passed anybody on the track for the lead. And that's just really really kind of a weird weird race (laughs) that's it i'll chalk it up to being weird chalk it up to the weather being kind of off and um they got some work to do on gear ratios one last thing to talk about with martinsville because everybody is infatuated with this when they head to martinsville and uh you sent me some photos for uh the team blaney twitter account um did team mez purchase any martinsville hot dogs over the weekend and thoughts on that um, we did get, we got them early. We made sure we got them before, uh, um, before they ran out 
<laughs> well, they ran out I, at least the one hot dog stand in the, in, yeah. the, in the middle of the track, I guess. But uh, yeah, and, and that was another thing about the weather too, because um, when everybody come off of the track walk and all that rain happened, uh, it got packed underneath the grandstands because everybody had to recover. Yeah, and all the lines were extremely long because well, you're already there, you might as well just get in line and get some food. And uh, you know they, you know they've got the all the food stands manned properly, but when you've got everybody up underneath there all at one time, just going after it, it yeah, uh, we we got ours early before you know before it got like that. So yes. Now are you guys getting them all the way with the the slaw uh, and chili and all that stuff? Or are you are you uh, picky on one of your topics? One of us does, and one of us doesn't. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400 this past past weekend at Martinsville Speedway. Another impressive run from this 12 team with a plenty of stage points and a top five finish. Um, let's just talk about Bristol Dirt real quick. This is a race that, um, again, the weather looks like it's going to be a little bit chilly, possibly be a little bit rainy. And another race where you're going to have a member of the Team Blaney podcast in person because myself and my wife are going to be uh, up in Tennessee this week. And we decided to tack the race onto this um, just because we feel like it's just one of those races we, we should at least see once because who knows how many more times they're going to run on dirt, uh, especially running on dirt at Bristol. So it's going to be our first time at Bristol. Uh, but for those of you watching from home, you can catch this race, the Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway Sunday, April 17th. Uh, worth noting that this is Sunday. It is Easter Sunday. The first time that the Cup Series is going to be running on Easter Sunday, but um, they've put all the preliminary events and everything in the days leading up to this. So the race isn't going to happen until 7 p.m. Eastern time on Fox and on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. So if you do have events planned with your family, if you do celebrate Easter, um, for most people, you're going to be able to get those things wrapped up in the during the day and the afternoon. And then everybody can kind of gather together at night and watch the NASCAR race, which is this is kind of an event race for the Cup Series being on dirt only the second time they've done that in the last several years worth noting that um, we've kind of got three days of cup series events going on here because the cup series will actually roll into the track on Friday, April 15th to 50 minute practice sessions. So it's in the past with these, some of these other races uh, at some of the normal tracks that they've gone to with the next gen car, they've had, you know, 15 minute practice sessions in this case, two 50 minute practice sessions that are going to happen at four Oh five PM Eastern time and then 6.35 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. Um, qualifying is going to be a little bit different. Um, they're, they're actually going to do a random drawing ahead of the practices at 3 p.m. on Friday, and that's going to set the lineups uh, for the qualifying races, which is going to be four qualifying races, each of them 15 laps. Those are going to start at 6 p.m. on Saturday. So practice on Friday. The qualifying heat races are on Saturday and that's kind of running alongside with the truck series race. That's going to happen on Saturday as well. And then we come back Sunday, Easter Sunday, April 17th, and the race is going to take place at 7 PM Eastern time with uh, 125 miles, three stages, 75, 150, and the checkered flag will fall 250 laps in total for the main event there. Um, so kind of an action packed weekend between the truck series and then the cup series with their practice. So I know people are going to be wanting to watch this from Friday to Saturday with the heat races. And then Sunday, the main event there for the NASCAR cup series at Bristol. Um, 
for that for that bristol dirt race so steve you guys were at bristol kind of briefly last year again another Mm -hmm. weather impacted race so you got to see a little bit of racing there um what are your thoughts on the cup series going back again and what do you think um are are, is it just so much of an unknown again with this new car i know they we had some some tidbits and videos out there Stuart Friesen testing last week uh any initial thoughts about this race you know the the fun part will be uh the heat races actually I, i take a lot of uh I like watching the heat races. Uh, They've got some little setups there with the passing points and so on and so forth, uh, giving guys credit for, you know, being able to drive past other people and not just sitting back and taking your position. And, and, you know, um, but the, the video I've seen so far looks like it's going to, it's going to operate pretty well on this track. Um, I kind of wish they would have, they tested the screen out and um, I heard a couple different things about it went well, but it was too late to implement yeah, it. Yeah, seemed too late. And that kind of sucks because if they would have been able to implement it, um, they probably would able be able to prep the track differently. And the track, uh, the, the track being prepped a certain way will keep the dust down, um, which would be extremely helpful for the spotters, uh, uh, you know, and hopefully they don't have that issue um, like they had last year where they got to go single file restarts and stuff like that because it, it got dangerous it got literally where you couldn't see and that's why you were single file and the dust was so bad and it just you know that was the the thing about it but once again you know let's do this again this year and see if it changes see if we can make some changes see if we can keep that from happening again uh you know give the experiment another year or two you know before you put it back in the box you know yeah i'm thinking that there'll at least be a third year depending on what they learned from this year. Uh, the big thing to mention, you're talking about visibility is they've moved this. This was a day race last year. They've moved this to a night race this year. They're trying to help with visibility. I know there's rain in the forecast during the week there. So um, that, that can turn into the track being a little bit heavier with the dust down, but also just knowing with dirt racing, there's a chance that the, between races here, they're going to keep this track packed really tight. So that way, if it does rain, the rain kind of just rolls off the track and drains away. Uh, so then when they till it back up again, there, it could be an opportunity where it might be a little bit dry. So um, it's a continued experiment, new, totally new car this year, uh, new time of day. I know NASCAR is going to be really interested in seeing what this does ratings wise, because dipping into this holiday, you know, Easter is a huge holiday, you know, across the world, not just in the US. Uh, lots of people celebrate it. Lots of people were kind of, you know, surprised. I mean, uh, for a long time, NASCAR didn't run on Mother's Day, which, you know, Mother's Day and Easter really aren't equivalent. Uh, but now we run on Mother's Day at Darlington, and that went really well. I think there's an opportunity here because, you know, the NBA and the NFL, they'll, you know, play games on Christmas. And that's, you know, especially the NBA, those have been kind of destination games to watch with family. I think they're trying to kind of tap into that market where a lot of families are going to be together and hanging out already around the TV. Um, this is the Bristol Dirt Race, which is because, They've tried to build this kind of as a marquee event or something special for NASCAR that casual fans can kind of even tune in and be like, oh, wow, I didn't realize, you know, there's a lot of, you know, casual race fans out there that don't really know that much about dirt racing in general. And to see NASCAR, uh, which has mostly been a strictly asphalt uh, series, you know, since the mid seventies running on dirt is kind of special and different and they might get some more eyes on this race. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see. We talked about stats. Um, we only have one stat for Ryan Blaney here. Uh, he started uh, third and finished eighth last year at the Bristol dirt race. And that car, I know we have some Blaney fans out there and one that's in the discord that owns one of the die casts of it, but that car was used up by the end of that race. 
and he still ended up with a really great finish. So um, I'm not sure what the composite bodies. I know the the, the under carriage of these cars, uh, they have a different kind of material under there. There's not a diffuser in the back because uh, the diffuser would have been interesting. I did hear that they're going to run the rain mud flaps that they were they had designed and tested to run. You know, uh, because of Coda last year, how the all the the rain flying off onto the windshields and the car in back, they actually kind of designed these mud flaps. Um, for that reason, they're actually going to run these on these car in hopes of making the visibility better uh, without as much stuff being kicked up onto the cars behind them. So that'll be interested to see how those work out because I'm curious, is that just going to cause a bunch of dirt and mud to get, you know, stuck up in the wheel wells? I don't know. We'll find out. It seems like they tested it out the other day with Stuart Freeze and everything seemed to run fine. So really looking forward to this race. Um, I thought, you know, we're already going to be in the Tennessee area. So why not add another cup race, another track first timers at Bristol. And I know I've been asking Steve a little bit uh, about things to do, where to park. So if anybody out there wants to, to hit team Blaney up or send some messages or my personal account on Twitter with some tips on Bristol, send them my way. Cause we're really excited to, to attend the race. Uh, but again, if you want to watch this race this weekend, the food city dirt race, Bristol motor speedway Sunday, Easter Sunday, April 17th, 7 PM. Eastern time. It's going to be on Fox PRN Sirius XM NASCAR radio, but content starts on Friday with practice Saturday with qualifying in the truck series race. And then Sunday, 7 PM for the main event, 250 laps, 125 miles on this dirt track at Bristol motor speedway. Steve, um, Steve has actually asked me to skip the NASCAR fantasy live segment this week uh, for reasons that he doesn't want to talk about. Um, but I'm going to break his trust in this case and just let the listening audience out there, the hundreds of people that tune in this each week to the team Blaney podcast to know that Steve, who has been a, one of the main front runners in the league for the past couple of years, forgot to set his lineup. So he missed out on the opportunity to pick the featured matchups. Um, we'll leave it at that. And we'll, uh, I'll catch everybody up on, on the points as they go. But for me, um, with my lineup, was pretty decent going into this race. I watched practice, got some ideas from there, and um, my lineup overall was pretty good. I had started Eric Almarola, who is fast in practice, William Byron, who went on to win the race, Ryan Blaney. I had him in my garage every race this season, and I did elevate him out of the garage and uh, stuck Kyle Bush in there, who I initially had as a starter. I had Kyle Larson and Kevin Harvick. So uh, my major points earners there was William Byron, who got me 58. Ryan got me 44. Almarola got me 39. Harvick, 29. And Larson, um, I know he won out there, I think, at California earlier this year. But the last several races, Larson has been below average. So only 18 points from Larson. In the featured matchups, the first one, it was Elliott versus Hamlin. I picked Elliott. That worked out. Second matchup, I picked uh, it was Ryan versus Chastain. I picked Ryan and that worked out by one position with the number one car finishing fifth and Ryan fourth. <laughs> Here's where I really messed up. Um, Martin Truex Jr. has been great on short tracks. And I should have known that from, should have known from what happened at Richmond. Um, I've picked Martin over William Byron. William Byron went on to win the race. Truex finished 22nd. So I lost that one. And then another one, I, you know, the defending champ, I picked Kyle Larson over Kyle Bush. Larson finished 19th and Bush seventh. So I split the difference there. Got two of the featured matchups, right? Um, Steve, can you at least talk about your starters since we know that you didn't get, yeah, I had Briscoe, Kyle Bush, um, Ryan, Ross Chastain and, uh, and Truex. Um, 
So the lineup itself is not, not real bad. I mean, Ryan was, uh, 44 points and, uh, you know, Chastain ended up 32 points, but, uh, I had Logano in the garage. And once again, I mean, I never was going to check. I couldn't get to my phone basically yeah. uh, the way we were bundled up and everything to begin with, uh, because Logano would have been 46 points if I had got him out of the garage. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I had a lineup there, um, it would have been okay. Um, I may have adjusted a little bit depending on you know, the way qualifying went and so forth, but yeah, you know, we were in the middle of, uh, traveling and getting there and enjoying the weekend and I it's just been, lost track of, lost plus track it's of been it, different know. this year because, you know, the last two years we've been picking our fantasy lineups like early in the weeks and now with practice yeah. and qualifying actually being held again, we've been holding out until the weekend. So there is much more of an opportunity to forget to set your fantasy lineups now. So let that be a lesson to anybody else there that is, is participating in the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league. Um, or just to know that everyone's human, even Steve, when it comes to fantasy, you can forget every once in a while. And I know I'm bound to do it eventually too. So maybe even this week, I don't know. I don't know what cell reception is going to be like out in the cabin in the middle of the woods, but we'll mm-hmm. find out. So I'm so glad I could help teach that lesson, you know, yeah, right. You're just mm-hmm. doing the, you're doing the, the good work out there. For Yeoman, Yeoman's work, you know? So let's take a look at the top 10 in points earned this past week at Martinsville Speedway in the first position. Go Larson, 243 points tied for first as well. Factory of Sadness, uh, 243 points and Math Mom 4. Again, 243 points, three-way tie for the most points earned at Martinsville. In the fourth position, Bulldog, 0277, 238 points. In fifth, uh, leading the household again, my wife, Rogers T, 235 points. In sixth, Blaney Kicks Beep. 234 points seventh pocono lady 233 eighth sam speeders 229 ninth team penske 226 and then we have a two-way tie for 10th rogue tough and two bushes uh no johnson's 224 points that rounds out the top 10 in points earned at martinsville um i had a fairly decent eh, better than most 29th position 208 points total so um 40 some points or just under 40 points from the leader there and you with that, without being able to select uh, your specific lineup or those extra points there, 74th position in points earned 149 points. So you're about a hundred points off the lead when it came to points earned at Martinsville speedway. But here, let's go to the standings that mean the most, the overall league standings here in the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league in the first position after eight races, bulldog zero two seven, seven with 1,548 points. Second math mom four. I got to say math mom has probably got some algorithm going here uh, with her picks. Uh, so I'd like to know what that is. Math mom four second position, 1,520 points. She's only 28 points out of the lead. Third, Joe Lopez won with 1502. Fourth, Moose Hunter, 1960, 1496. Uh, fifth, Eric D15, 1,494 points. Sixth, the defending champion Clyde Chicken Pit versus Racing with 1,485 points. And seventh, the Nutty Gamer, 1,484 points. Eighth, Fry Gal, 12, 1,473 points. Ninth, Super Mod, 1,471 points. And rounding out the top 10 in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League so far, 1,470 points for Rogue Tough. Um, scrolling down here, I've picked up. I was in the 40s last week. I've moved up into the thir- tied for 34th, 1,353 points for me. And Mez 12, man, you took a tumble here uh, by missing out on some of those points. I think you're in or near the top 10. You are now 25th position, 1,000. 
410 points. Feels good to see a, a friendly face down here in the, the 20s and worse <laughs> in the standings. But I'm don't, sure you won't you won't stay there very long. Don't get used to it. <laughs> so that's our team blade and NASCAR fantasy live league recap. Uh, we got 96 out of the 100 members, so there's still four more positions for people to go in. Uh, if you go to Fantasy Live and you create uh, an entry for this, if you search for Team Blaney Podcast, you can find us, sign up for the league, and still plenty of time to earn more points. And plus, there's still always that opportunity for you to earn the most points or at least finish in the top 10 week to week and still get the mention here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Um, so we've got through our interview. We got through our race recap. We talked about the Martinsville hot dogs. We talked about Bristol dirt NASCAR fantasy live. One last thing to update folks on uh, in our episode last week, Steve set up an interview with uh, Brian Blaney spotter, Josh Williams and his girlfriend who is an, a rising pro late model and super late model driver in the country named Brittany Zamora. She is currently in the midst of a battle for the fan vote for the opportunity to race uh, against some of you know racing's legends here at the Nashville Fairground Speedway with the Superstar Racing Experience or the SRX Series in July. So we talked to Brittany a little bit about her career, actually went ahead and turned that interview into a separate video that I've been sharing on social media now, just so people can get to meet Brittany. Um, we talk a little bit about you know her connection to Blaney fans, which is through Josh Williams, Ryan Spotter. And um, just a little bit about her, a little bit about the fan vote, everything she's about, what she's done in her career, what she wants to do in the future. Um, they put out an update today, uh, which is Tuesday, April 12th, that Brittany is now leading the fan vote. But don't let that fool you because they're not releasing what the percentages are, what the votes are here. And she's up against some pretty big names in the short track world. Uh, but we first of all want to thank all of the Blaney fans that have responded uh, to the podcast to our social media posts, you know, just immediately going and voting for Brittany. Thank you so much. It means a lot to us. It means a lot to Brittany and Josh, uh, everybody on her team uh, to potentially have this opportunity to race in this race. It was really good to really awesome to get to know her a little bit, tell her story and then try to help her win this fan vote, Steve. Yeah. The go, uh, if you, you get a chance, you haven't voted yet, go to their website. Um, and the, the Nashville, the, uh, fairgrounds website there and they will um when you go to vote she's like right at the top of the page you did it alphabetically by first name which is great you just click and highlight her and you swipe down to the end of the page and they want a little information and name and i think a phone number just to make sure you're a real human and not a robot and then you vote and you only get one vote that's the thing so as many more people as we can reach who haven't voted yet just take that 30 seconds and vote um, because there's almost, a, you know, what, three more weeks of voting to go and, you know, just, just keep piling it on, keep piling it on and keep piling it on, finding more people, people, you know, who, you know, never even voted on anything like this before. Just go ahead and vote. It only takes a couple of seconds to do, and, it, and it's going to be a great thing for her and, uh, you know, give her a chance to, like you said, to race against all those guys, uh, on, a, on a, one of her home tracks, uh, you know, which would be really cool because she'll know a little bit more about how to, how to operate on that track than some of those guys. And, uh, you know, it will be a great night in, in July if we can get that done. 
Yeah, be really awesome. So like I said, go ahead and listen to last week's podcast or find those videos that I posted on YouTube of the interview with Brittany Zamora. Remember that Brittany Zamora, when you go to vote at the Nashville Fairground Speedway website, they have a tab right on there for the SRX fan vote. Just click on that. Make your vote for Brittany. Like Steve said, scroll the bottom of the page, put in some information and cast that vote. But really awesome to see uh, her have this opportunity to race in the SRX series. So Steve, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week's episode of the Team Blaney podcast. I want to thank you once again, everyone. And thank you to Emma Blaney or Emma, well, formerly Emma Blaney, Emma Conley, Leah Reeves from the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation that came on, gave us some of their time. Go ahead, like I said, go ahead and support that Drive for Good uh, tournament that they're going to have out there at Top Golf. We're really excited to, poten- to potentially be part of that as well. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone. Thank you for them. Thank you for everyone else that's tuned again to this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just go go ahead and go back check out our very first episode from last season that dives into our Blaney fandom. You can interact with Steve and I on Twitter and with the Team Blaney account on Twitter and Facebook at Team Blaney and on Instagram at Team Blaney posted a ton of photos that Steve and Kate took over the weekend from their time at Martinsville. I'm sure this week when uh, my wife and I head to Bristol, we'll be posting some more photos from Bristol and the dirt race there on the team Blaney Instagram account. And then we're anywhere else on our Twitter and Facebook. Finally, we encourage you again to help support the Ryan Blaney family foundation. This organization championed by Ryan and his family supports causes like the Alzheimer's association and UPMC sports medicine. You can find out more about the foundation online at ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or on all of their very active social media channels. So for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll go ahead and catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Good night, Dublin. Uh, thanks everybody for coming. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs>